Hey, Michelle, it's Micah. Oh, hey, how are you? Welcome, welcome, welcome. So, welcome to another episode of Let's Come Together with a Sex Dog. And today, I have a guest online. Um, but my topic for this week is sexual liberation. Um, and I know that's, you know, kind of phrase that we hear in, in, in on TV and in different um, spaces. But it really started back in the 60s um, with the sexual revolution. And that's when really sex began to change. It was a social movement that challenged traditional codes of behavior related to sexuality. Um, and this was carried on until the 1980s. It, it moved from the US to other parts of the world. Um, it kind of changed in the 80s and moved. Um, the, there was a shift because of the AIDS pandemic and that was literally ravishing minority communities that started with you know, gay men, and then it went into, you know, kind of black, black people was um, really affected. And then at that point, the sexual revolution became less prominent. Um, so sexual liberation, just for those of you who haven't heard the term, is this idea that individuals shamelessly and often satisfying their sexual needs and desires without the burden of guilt or judgment um, from society's morally correct norms and basically just being able to engage in consensual sexual encounters without any qualms. Um, so today we have a very, very, very special guest. Um, his name is Micah. Um, uh, so please welcome um, the amazing Micah Marquez. And he is um, a curator of sexual liberated events in Washington, DC. So welcome, Micah. Thank you so much for joining. Um, please tell our listeners listeners about you. Hey, well, thank you so much, first off, for having me today, Michelle. Um, really excited to be here. Um, as you stated, uh, I host events in Washington, D.C. currently called Deviant Events. Um, the events are highly centered around queer people of color. Uh, they really came into existence as I you know, grew to love myself more and more as a queer person of color and just realized that I didn't have a space to really just be myself. Um, I didn't have a space um, that was Black and accepting of me as a queer person or queer and accepting of me as a Black person. And, you know, I, I think that as I grew to love myself, I really wanted to, you know, also share that with friends. And so I found these uh, circuit parties that I would often attend uh, both in New York, Miami, and just globally. Like you said, it really is like a global sort of movement happening. But when I would go and bring friends with me, um, what I found is that the comfort level that I experienced was not all the times and often shared uh, with my other queer friends. Right. You know, these are fellow like black queer people. And, you know, when questioning them, what I realized is that even myself, I had my own blind right. spots, things I wasn't noticing. I experienced a certain um, body and like sort of image privilege that not all my friends experienced. And so they didn't go into those spaces feeling celebrated. Right. Um, and I realized that this same environment that hearkened of sex positivity and body positivity was not doing that same thing for some of my fellow, you know, queer POC like friends and colleagues. And so I just was like, you know what? There's a need that exists here. Um, everybody deserves to feel sexually liberated, right. deserves to feel <laughs> free, uh, right? If you only have four or five hours to go into a space and feel free, I'm like, everybody deserves that. Deserves to go into a space and just feel like themselves and authentic for a few minutes. Um, so oh, yeah, oh, that's oh, when I created DVN events. Or a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> or a couple hours, yeah. 
so you kind of t- mm-hmm. you kind of mentioned you know where you got the idea and the inspiration from um but why deviant explain to me why you called it that because in my field of psychosexual behaviors and you know psychology deviation of sex is usually not something that you know is 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 encouraged um, or celebrated mm-hmm. um so you know there is there is a, a an irony in that so explain that to to, to me <laughs> why why deviant events yes so you said um you said something so important when introducing the idea of sexual liberation and that is just that you know we exist in a society that has already decided it's like socially morally upright norms and so the idea of deviant is just that you know what we are different <laughs> as people of color we're already different as queer people we're already different um from the what is you know heteronormative right. um so yeah creating a space that he, that is uh boasting of being different boasting of you know deviating from the norm uh was very important to me oh, that's so yeah that's where the name deviated. right and that, and 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 for me um i think we we've, we've had conversations outside of this but for me it was very exciting to see that um you know i i've often created spaces for individuals and couples and my friends to feel liberated in their own sexuality um it's a it's a it's a huge part of my my job to be able to help people to get to that point where they're living their authentic sexual lives and 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 free from judgment free from guilt and shame and all of those things so when i saw that you'd create this event and it's called deviant i thought okay this is perfect we have to we have to talk about <laughs> yeah. this we have to explore it we have to kind of chime in so we live in a society yeah. that allows us to be say we live in a society now today in 2020 that really allows us to be as sexually expressive as we want to be in so many ways. Um we can list tons and tons of ways that people are able to really be sexually expressive. But what is your experience within our community? We talk about um our community being black and um and you know being being different. Um how is your experience within that around sexuality? Yes. So that is such a, a nuanced question uh for me to like think about myself. I'm so used to being in spaces where I'm like creating for other people. Right. But um my personal yeah, my personal experience is um one that I think a lot of our community can identify with. My ma- my father was actually a minister mm-hmm. when I was growing up. And uh so I grew up very heavily in the church and always, you know, sex was always deemed this sort of obscure bad unnatural thing to do um and right it, only it, natural it, if you're right, married it was only okay to do it <laughs> yeah. if you were married if you're heterosexual to the opposite right. <laughs> exactly yes it's like, it must be the mm-hmm. opposite sex it must be married must be forever with one person and it became very unnatural for me as i came into myself um as a queer person and then you know along my journey and learning that God loved me and made me exactly as I am and didn't make any mistakes was really sort of a revolution that took place in my personal life and then even as I I came out originally I was 18 years old mm-hmm. in Atlanta at the time and I think I still existed amongst a lot of queer black people that had those same sort of 
mental binds on their minds from religion. And so there still was this attempt to sort of put on um, classism and put on black classism. So it was everybody, you know, now trying to wear the next new designer this and name brand wow. that, but you still could not, you, yeah. could, you could not uh, take off your shirt and just dance freely in this space that was now for like black queer people. And I was like, what the hell right, is going right, on? Right. And so I, so I would find myself oftentimes going to uh, white queer spaces where they were at least finally playing the Gaga and Beyonce that I wanted mm-hmm. to hear at that moment. Like that was top and 40 it music. And it seems, um, it, it, I mean, and I, for me, it was the same way. Growing up in London, there was very few all black spaces and even the spaces that were created for all blacks, it was always kind of intermittent with the whites and the Indians and the Koreans and the Chinese mm-hmm. because London is such a uh, kind of integration of different cultures. Um, so for me, I yes. just remember going to clubs at like 17, 18 and partying all night, getting home at five, six in the morning, but it wasn't <laughs> around other black people more often. Yeah. So, um, and yeah. you know, you mentioned something about your kind of revolution when you were 18. And, and as we start off our conversation, we start off talking about the sexual revolution, how that, you know, kind of gave way to sexual liberation. So. My other yeah. question for you is, what does sexual liberation mean to you? Oh my God, <laughs> it means the world. Uh, so you mentioned another thing, introduction of sexual liberation, and that was it being about consensual mm-hmm. relationships. I have totally came to understand, I'm actually, um, I've experienced sexual violence in my own life, and to know what it means for in two senses now for one for you to be mentally bound at one point in time and then for you to at one point in time have been physically enabled to make a decision for yourself in this thing that we call sex that god did make god did intend for everybody to be able to procreate and have to have sex and enjoy sex um god intended for everybody to be able to come and it is just so unfortunate that there are people out there who will not only you know try to control you mentally when it comes to sex but also try to take advantage of you Mm -hmm. physically so when i approach sexual liberation and i came to understand what it means i really came to understand it with consent and autonomy that really you're allowed and able to enjoy this thing that god gave you so long as you understand those two factors being safe being consenting and like really making that choice and i i have found that as long as I'm in that space where I love self and I'm confident in what it is I'm doing, I make the best decisions for my life. I make the healthiest decisions for my life. I make the safest decisions for my life. And that just was not true of me um, as I was growing into myself, as I said, like, you know, starting off as a black person, having always been told that this is some bad, right. evil thing. I remember I remember having to, you know, numb myself with uh, trying to be intoxicated constantly. And that oftentimes ended me up in terrible situations. Um, But it brought me to that space of liberation and realizing that, wait a minute, what I'm about to do is not this terrible, evil thing that's going to take me to hell. It's actually quite, (laughs) it's actually quite normal. It takes you closer to Um, heaven than hell. (laughs) Oh God, yes. If you're doing it right. um... Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, and it literally, I guess, understanding like my feelings after I mm-hmm. come, like really, like understanding my feelings and emotion after I come, 
has really changed the entire experience of sex right. for me. Like I'm literally nowadays if I have sex, I'm like telling my partner thank you. That thank you has become to be about their time, their energy, that the space that we shared together, the intimacy, the the fun, the you know, the experience, right. the the experiments that we do, but it's under having that now feeling after you come versus this like terrible shameful feeling right or trying to or trying amazing. to rush out of bed and trying to you know forget the person you just you just you know kind of had the most right you know some of the most kind of close encounters it's not always intimate but it's definitely close when you're sharing bodily fluids with someone um, yes. Whether yes. it's whether it's going in your mouth or in in your in your ass <laughs> yes. or something else, you know, there's um there's all that. Yeah. So you know, you mentioned about sexual violence, and um, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a, a kind of path that we don't always go down, particularly if, you know within mm-hmm. our communities, we don't talk about sexual violence very often. Um, and part of the mm-hmm. reason for that is because a lot of people who grow up thinking that their sexuality is shameful, it's disgraceful, it's ungodly, mm-hmm. it is against their family's religion, they oftentimes believe that any kind of sexual violence that's perpetrated against them, or if they do it to someone else, then it's warranted because it's it's mm-hmm. so ungodly it's so untraditional it's so un, unhealthy and so we don't talk about that very often we don't talk about the times where we've been forced to have you know sexual encounters um without consenting yeah. or or having multiple sexual partners when we really only wanted to have one sexual partner in that situation um and feeling a sense yeah. of you know out of controlness I, you know i work with a lot of people who have sexual compulsive disorders and the root of all of that is the fact that they feel out of control and in, a, in an effort to kind of gain some control they decide to abuse sex in the same way people abuse alcohol and drugs um so i think it's very important to have that conversation and i think it's something that i definitely want to revisit with you um you know in in another yeah. in another podcast maybe and talk about that a little bit more um and i'm i'm, I'm very I'm very optimistic that that is obviously something that with your events, you know, people get the sense that this is very consensual. So whatever happens, it's it's everyone consenting and no one being forced to do something that without their right. consent. So I think that's that's a good right. thing. I li- I like I like that, you know, a little um um tidbit that we went off, but it actually brings me close <laughs> to my other question, which is in doing this event, and I know it's still a new, um, you know, business venture for you, but have you had any negative feedbacks from your events? Oh my, no. Um, I've, I've had one encounter, um, and it was actually with a cis-het white woman mm-hmm. who did not actually even attend the event. Um, she saw the advertisements online. Um, tried to make, well, did make up a story um, and try to get the event shut down. Wow. Uh, and telling, you know, she made up this entire story about how there were men outside and, you know, provocative clothing and you could see their genitals exposed and uh, made up this whole elaborate story and did not realize that we actually partnered <laughs> with um, our local police Good. department. And they actually, they, they actually came to our event um, I forget, um, 
trying to remember exactly what that department is called. They're um, they're an ally group with the local uh, DCPD. Okay. Um, damn it, I want to. Was it was it the it LGBT? The task right, force, okay, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. So the task force, they actually are part of um, the DCPD. They attended our event, actually went through our event to each one of the floors, um, intentionally went to each one of the restrooms, into all the spaces, just to make sure that everybody was safe, everybody was good, um, make sure nothing illegal was going um, on, and then they actually waited for us when the event ended to make sure um, everyone left that. safely. <laughs> yeah, she must have been mad. Not to me- <laughs> she was, oh my god! And so she literally went through. She went through writing our local city councilman. Mm right in the um the 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 sheriff of the police department and i literally you know it was i knew it was an experience that was going to happen when i first entered into this space because just as we sort of talked about before when you exist as a person of color uh in a white world and you exist as a a queer minority in a cis het world you know that you're going to be met with again a different type of violence which is the social society violence so I, I, I knew that it was going to come, but when it came the way that it did, everywhere from government to police, um, I was so grateful that I, that we sort of set ourselves up to protect ourselves the way that we did, so that literally the sheriff was responding and saying, like, actually, my case. officers were there. <laughs> That's not the case. The officers were there. They're actually, and I hate to say this, but the area that we um, host the event in is in an area that's being uh, gentrified. So not far a couple blocks away from our event there was um some drive-by shooting that actually happened and so he was actually able to like time stamp it and say when the police responded to that shooting that happened that had nothing to do with our event at all but literally there was like actual crime happening down the street but this sits had white woman felt the need to oh i guess we have a name karen uh (laughs) decided to Right. That's, that's not, not her, her name, actual, but we know what it means. That's not her it's actual name. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But so, let's you know, she literally turned her head to an actual crime happening down the street and to report or write about that, and instead decided to write her her uh, city council, yeah, so that, and local police department, of someone having black way queer too people. much time on their hands mm-hmm. and not enough not enough sense <laughs> yeah. to let people be themselves. So, yes, yeah, but like our actual patrons, yeah. no, I haven't had any complaints. What I've heard is that people um, come in there anticipating that they're going to be intimidated by uh, the sexy mm-hmm. environment or the, the provocative clothing. And what I've found is that, you know, the longest I think it took somebody to tell me they got comfortable was 30 seconds. They walk in there and they see people of all different body types and shapes and sizes and shades and they grow into being comfortable oh, with that, themselves. So it, that it's really been such, amazing. That is brilliant. <laughs> and you were literally answering my questions before I asked them. So, <laughs> oh no. So, <laughs> um, the question you, you started answering, but I do want you to continue it. You know, describe a typical party that you create. So, um, I know you have themed nights, and I know you have. You know, it's 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 an open policy um, for the most part within within the spectrum. Um, so, kind of describe what a typical event would be like for someone who hasn't been who wants to come. What would be a preview of of what that event is like? Oh man, um, it literally from the moment you walk in on that first floor, we have like just our triage area. We would take anybody if they've partied a bit right. too hard or. They just need to take a break and sit down. Uh, We also don't have any speakers on that first floor usually because we also handle 
the bags there. So people are literally able to come in and leave in their regular clothes, um, their everyday okay. uh, lifestyle attire. Um, but right there in that triage area where people uh, put their clothes, they check their clothes. Um, that's exactly what they do. They get they disrobe there. So they get they get friends, they get sexy. Like people that they can't <laughs> get, get sexy. On yeah, the first they get floor. sexy right there. <laughs> yeah, you get sexy on the first floor. Your jockstrap, mm-hmm. your harness, your crop top, your thong, tank top, even is fine. But we intentionally make sure that folks get sexy there. And by the time you're entering the second and third floor, you are met with an amazing mix and array of what is like black centered right. music but it is circuit party themed so the the literally the the beats that you're given are circuit party upbeat but they're like lyrics and songs that you recognize as a black person that you right. grew up on and it is just such uh an amazing experience to go in that space and see people that you also find sexy and find you sexy you know are I'm, dancing sure, I'm sure you must have an amazing a, dj drinking <laughs> oh trife dj so i work with i work with a dj here his mm. name is trife and we we're in this experience together because black circuit music doesn't exist right. um unfortunately i feel like it's something that began to you know and black people curated uh house music in the Absolutely. 80s and 90s you know um but it was you know it's something that's as much other music genres uh, has been sort of stolen away with. And so a lot of Black folks today in 2020 don't listen to or create circuit music or house music. Um, but yeah, that's something that Trife and I have got together. And he's an amazing DJ here in DC. And he like takes the time and effort out to do that, to actually like make that music that we can like hear the lyrics and relate to. Because you know, there's that moment in the club, even in Black clubs today, where they start playing throwbacks and you're like, oh my God, like, oh, that's Big right. that's Little Kim. That's. <laughs> Faith Evans, and he's literally done that for us, but like with circuit beats, so that we're not, you know, slowing down the pace or stopping what we're doing. Uh, like you're, you're very much able to stay upbeat and just enjoy yourself amongst your friends and meet new people. And because that air of discomfort is literally down as people are in their sexy, <laughs> um, you're having a genuinely good right. time. Like it's nothing to now say hello to somebody. It's nothing to compliment somebody amazing physique or their different physique or just like gawk at someone because like you're now in a space where like people like are literally just looking the right. fuck amazing you can be just as black as you want to be just as queer as you want to be and just and just as sexy time. as you want to be um and, and you're not yes. the odd one out you're not different you're not too much you're just enough for the yes. space you're in that it just that just sounds incredible, and I almost feel like I I was transported there for that five five minutes. You know, it's <laughs> just like I was I was in it. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so do you find that there's a difference between the men and women who attend your events? Because I know it's a co-ed environment. Um, it's not just a one so, one or or yeah. either sex. Okay. Yeah. So we actually the event that we have right now, Deviant. Uh, the one that we've orchestrated in DC, there actually are two two separate okay. events, uh, just so that because what we found when we created Deviant was that the gay boys oftentimes get it off. That's literally you know a quote from, uh, and when she said that, it really sort of stuck with me because here I'm creating this space to feel sexually and you know liberated and feel liberated just you know in a space and authentic to myself. 
And in talking to a fellow black lesbian, a fellow black queer person, I found out that, you know, gay men oftentimes take up <laughs> so much damn space. And so as, as excited for me and everyone as she was, um, she was also, you know, honest in her criticism. And I realized, I said, we cannot be about a movement or say we're about a movement and leave women out of it. I'm, I'm also an avid feminist. So in hearing that, I did uh, did the work in listening, um, going to attend many different, like, you know, Black lesbian spaces and bars. And what I realized is that, you know what, we need more spaces that are just as big and just as intentional uh, for women of color very specifically. Um, to just tell them to come in the space and just blend was not good enough. Um, so what we do now is actually have an event called okay. Deviant Femme uh, that is specified for uh, Black Hey, welcome back to everyone. I hope you enjoyed that quick commercial break. So we're here with Micah and we are having an amazing conversation all about sexual liberation. And particularly we're talking to Micah because he has this fabulous event in Washington, D.C. And I'm just loving all of this. So um, we were talking about the, 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 the changes you had where you separated um, deviant events for men and then you have deviant events for women. Yes, it's a space that is intentionally for women of color and black mm -hmm. women. Uh, those who are queer or are not even found amongst cishet women is that they can just go and feel safe uh, away from the male G-A-Z-E. Um, and that is just typically men uh, basically rating women because women have to unfortunately exist in a society where men who look like trash get that day. Um, and so literally like the creation of Deviant Femme was this other radical revolutionary thing uh, where women could just exist safely, um, could just exist authentically and could also um, be sexually liberated in their own ways. What we found also with women is like creating our standard for our patrons to come and, you know, be sexy in their jocks and harnesses and mesh material was actually the opposite for right. queer women. A lot of queer women actually, you know, want to identify as more masculine and present as more masculine. And so for them, sexy is wearing baggy clothes right. and sexy is just, you know, wear, wearing, you know, uh, what is stereotypically got uh, male, you know, masculine attire. And so, what we found is that, you know, in creating spaces just as intentional we, as we are about it, being black and being queer and being sexy, we have got to also be intentional with deviant femme and it being for women and the women's experience because it is a very particular experience. And what I've learned in that experience is that listening is just right. so important. You know, um, even as a black queer person, I still experience certain privileges as a male and as a man that, you know, listening to women and women's experiences have really taught right. me so much. Um, and I never, never, never want to resemble anything of the oppressors that I have had to face in this life. Um, and so Deviant Femme has been a, a separate, uh, but joint, exciting group um, of events that we've had here in DC as well. 
and um oh, that's, yeah that's fantastic that is, yeah. I'm, I'm happy that <laughs> i i learned that because i didn't know you you'd um separated but i think that's wonderful i think it's amazing i do think as men and women whether you're wherever you identify on the sexual orientation spectrum i think we do have fundamental mm-hmm. differences that we 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 have um through our experiences through our thought process and through our societal um upbringing so i think that's important to have a space that is unique and special and specific um so i know we've both yeah. been to circuit parties i've been to plenty circuit parties all <laughs> over the world um but in my experience it's been mostly been white and i know you mentioned as well um so that's so is that really the space you're trying to create for black men at your events you're trying to recreate that circuit party vibe but specifically for yes. black men yeah okay. um and i want to make sure that you know i am creating it very specifically for black men but i say uh people of color because even as black people we exist on an amazing spectrum where you know there are black latinx people and there are black asian folks and there are latinx people who are also um coexisting as part of our diaspora and so i definitely want to make sure like you know i am i am inclusive of, of uh all you know the diversity that feels welcome in that space to come and celebrate with us because one of the things that i found or didn't find rather in the circuit space the circuit parties that i was going to was that diversity and that welcoming um of other people of color you know um and if we were there we were tokenized right. and if we're tokenized then we're solely um, objectified fetishized <laughs> versus right. yeah objectified fetishized and it's like you know in deviant you know as we have you know our other brown and yellow and red brothers and sisters and even our white brothers and sisters like i want to make sure that everybody like really does feel welcome now i myself am a black person so certainly our community is harking to it um the most and i appreciate that i love it and i'm here all for it yeah but we definitely again even as a as an event and as anything that comes from me i don't want us ever looking like our oppressors so but yeah um that's just what it is i think that um i I definitely want to create that space that freedom that sexual liberation that exists in circuit parties i want to create that for people of color um and for for them you know god forbid they don't have the chiseled abs (laughs) and the nice pecs and big arms like they should still feel celebrated they should still feel welcomed and like they are respected and having a great time at their partying and feel sexy you know i you know i would go to you know the, the other circuit parties and folks would you know these guys would gawk over my body but then my friends who have different types of bodies weren't feeling celebrated right. at all and that really resonated with me when i when i again when i stopped and listened to them i was like wow i hate that i didn't even recognize that but that is you know what i like to call a blind right. spot and and, 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 blind and, spot and the thing is we all have them because we unless we step outside of ourselves and begin to see the the picture from someone else's perspective then really all we have is our own views our own ideologies our own mindset so i think it's important for us to to be aware and to be able to step outside of yourself and say okay let me see it from someone else's perspective um to allow you to yes. grow um but kind of going back to the the circuit parties so a lot of the circuit parties i've been to there's usually a dark room somewhere there's usually um yeah. you know a place where people go to have much more than just the dance 
or much more than just a drink or much more than just a conversation. So my question to you is, mm-hmm. for Deviant DC, is sex allowed? It's not, okay. it's not legally allowed. So I'm going to, it's not allowed. Um, does it happen? Um, I know for my, have sex. Like we said, as a sexually liberated person, I have sex. Um, not something that's happening on the main floor. So just as you specified, you know, usually when you go to circuit parties, there's like a there's a dark room, dark and room everyone that I've been space. to. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm sure people, you know, have their their spaces that they go to where they know that people aren't typically, you know, because we do have security who are. Um, you know, often, you know, also supposed to stop things right, like right, that right. if they see them be, just because, again, it's not legally allowed in the space. But I'm sure people have found their spaces where securities have their right, right, blind right. Spot, so, okay, yeah. so that, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I was just, you know, I was very curious because, like I said, I'm, I'm, I, I, I enjoy. I've been sexually liberated for a really long time. In fact, I can't remember a time when I wasn't. <laughs> um, but, um, but, you know, that's Amen. part of why I do the work that I do, because I, I think it's so important, particularly for black men and women, however you describe your blackness on, you know, whatever part of the, the world you, you originate from, there's such a huge sense of sexual repression within our communities um and it causes you know the repercussions of that it's so many different it comes out in so many different ways so there's lots of symptoms of that which causes people to not be well emotionally and not be well kind of have a healthy um relationship with sex and i've observed that there's a lot of black men particularly black gay men who have unhealthy relationships with sex and sexuality um, I love it. In my experience, it comes from you know the, the religion, the church, family values, traditions. What's your views on that? What's your views on unhealthy men having unhealthy relationships with sex and sexuality? Yes, I mean you definitely took the words and experience <laughs> right out of my mouth. Um, uh, I kind of gave you my personal experience before, but I I do think that religion. Um, and the, cult, the the role that religion plays within Black culture, um, and all, and when we say Black culture, then that spans all Black people. So even yes, Black queer people also, it spans the entire Black culture and diaspora, and creates binds on our minds where we're literally not able to see ourselves as worthy. Um, and it yeah it begins with this concept of worthy of God, worthy of heaven. Um, but also just like sort of worthy in life. Mm. And so we're making decisions about our sexual lives and about, you know, how a partner is supposed to treat us um, in the bedroom or otherwise or outside or, you know, <laughs> in my, or in the um, car <laughs> or in the car, you know, but um, certainly like as we don't see ourselves as worthy um, and we don't even see reflections of God that look like us, it it furthers us from that self-worth that would allow us to make healthier, safer, sounder decisions. Um, And so what I have found is just that like literally falling in love with myself and identifying the God that exists right there inside of me and has always been there and was most there when I was a kid and anybody told me 
uh, what was right or wrong according to them as an outside being from me. Um, what I have found is that falling in love with that God inside of me has been so liberating, um, has, has really released the, the bounds and chains from my mind. And I think, you know, I actually was a sociology major when I was in school mm-hmm. and understanding that all these things, including religion, including media, uh, even our school systems, they were made all for a reason. When, you know, when the constructors of our society were setting these things up, they did them with all intentions of like how they wanted people to act and operate. And we've got to understand as individuals that we are not those founders. We are not those cishet, land-owning white men wearing those white wigs who sat down and wrote the Constitution and decided how everything was going to be mapped out for us. And, you know, if you are a person of color in this, you know, white world, white supremacist world, and you are a queer person in this cis heteronormative world, it's important that you like look back, look, rather look in the mirror and find the God in yourself. Um, and it, you know, what I have found is just that, oh my God, um, Michelle, I remember it always takes me back to this moment. I think it was 2018 that I, 2017, I believe, that I went to New York's Pride and we're celebrating the 50th anniversary um, of Stonewall, the Stonewall Rebellion. And so we had, I think it was some 6 million people. And these are queer people and allies that came to New York City that year to celebrate gay pride. And I remember being in the middle of the parade and being brought to tears because I just could reflect on being an 11 and 14 year old boy understanding for the first time what my sexuality was and that it was gonna polarize me again from my own family and make me different again from the, the, the other black men in my family like my dad and my brother and always fearing that I would never exist or live in a world where I could feel safe and celebrated. Right. And I remember being in the middle of that parade and being brought to tears because I'm like, God brought me six million people in the city that I'm raised in. And God transformed the world because God saw little Micah at some point in time and was like, nope, watch what I'm going to do by the time you're 27, by the time you're 26. Right. And <laughs> I think that it is so important that we continue just like those trans women of color did back in 1967, we continue to pay it forward. We continue to do the work right here and now in our, in, in our place and time and face the Karens and, and post online right. and be sexually liberated because there is some other queer person of color out there, some young child out there that is looking for somebody to look up to so that they can find the God in themselves. Right, right. Um, and yeah, and believe that, they're, that God loves them and that they're worthy of love. Um, but yeah, that is, uh, that has certainly been my experience. Um, and that's, that's sort of, you know, my, Ooh, come yeah. to, come to God <laughs> moment. I was going to say come to Jesus moment, but I definitely. Just thank God. Just thank God. Yes. Yes. Um, no, I, I really appreciate you sharing that because it's, you know, it's those moments that really kind of define who we are and where we go, um, in the yeah. world, you know, and I think it's so important that you have that as a memory but also as a task to move forward and say, I'm going to pay this forward because you don't want other 11 year olds to, to not grow up thinking that they have a space where they can be liberated and feel free. Um, you know, yeah. so I think that's so, so, so important. And speaking of free, I always talk about consensual non-monogamy. I talk about a lot in my work. I, you know, I, I, I talk about a lot with, with my colleagues, my friends, 
um, our social groups. What are your views on consensual non-monogamy and is that something that you have engaged in or would potentially be um, um, open to? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I've been in full open relationships. I'm currently single. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just stating that. But, um, and so I am a uh, consensual non-monogamous right now in my personal love life because uh, this year, the rest of this 2020, as traumatic as it's been, is for me. Um, <laughs> I, I've decided that I am, I am decided, I have uh, made the decision not to commit to anybody else outside of me for the rest of this year. Um, and I made that decision along with my therapist. And so that does not mean that I don't have sex. Yes, yes um, the therapist. I, I, <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, I, yeah, I see my therapist every Tuesday at two. It's very easy for me to remember. <laughs> Um, and we made that decision sort of together when I reflected on my just sort of love life and that being sex or otherwise what I realized was that I have always been committed to someone else I've always been in right. a damn relationship and sort of making decisions um, and defining myself in these different periods in time around who my partner was and so when this last relationship didn't work out as I planned it to um, I accepted that that there was change happening um, and decided that the rest of this year was for me. And, you know, everybody who I actually, you know, date right now, because I date a, a few different people, mm -hmm. has that understanding. They understand that they're not the only person that I date. They're not the only person that I will have sex with, that I'll fuck, um, and vice versa. Um, I give them that autonomy also to, like, do their thing. And as long as, you know, our we have those understandings, so that is also part of consent. Um, we're able to be we're able to decide on what levels of safety and precautions we want to take and uh, we navigate our lives you know as consenting mature adults that is. Um, and yeah oh, that's very proud to say that perfect <laughs> well that's good <laughs> I mean I think it, I think it's so important that we have autonomy to choose the type of relationships we want you know um, and not yes. be defined by societal norms of what a healthy relationship is and sometimes we're forced into relationships that are unhealthy because we haven't begun to have a healthy relationship with ourselves um, yeah. and if you don't have a healthy relationship with yourself you are on this um, you know like merry-go-round you know just having one person hop on another one hop on you know you have two at the time and none of it is going anywhere because it's unhealthy and you haven't really found what it is that you need in your life right. to be to be to be to be happy. So I think that's you know, I hats off to you for recognizing that and acknowledging it and choosing Thank you. to to be, you know, here for yourself in this crazy world yeah. that we're going through right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. but you know, speaking of ways of, of being healthy, um, what ways do you think we can work to improve sexual exploration and bring about more acceptance of sexual liberation? I have hmm. some of my own ideas, but I just want to hear from you <laughs> okay. because you're such an amazing guest. Um, okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> so I think that actually you and I are great resources to go to for people uh, when wanting to experience sexual liberation and sexual health. Uh, beginning, I'm going to say, state with you as being a sexual therapist and uh, really helping people as individuals and even as couples to like understand their their sexual lives and uh, how to better themselves um, in their sexual, you know, both performances and intimacy and excitement. 
I think it's very important to like actually like I I swear by therapy. I think that people just don't do enough communicating and processing what is going on in their lives. Too many people are just uh, in this damn rat race and forgetting that they are a whole person, a com- right. complex being. Um, and if they you know want to experience excitement and joy and liberation, as we just discussed, and sexually then they got to do the work you got to do the work and pay attention to that side of you that is sexual and is sensual and and also spiritual you know like and physical (laughs) like you know sex is so much of our lives and it's a shame that people don't pay enough attention to yeah um i think that secondly um you know folks should find themselves at a deviant event find yourself (laughs) in a space (laughs) yeah but like seriously find yourself in a space where you're surrounded by other sexually liberated people that are people of color um, and, you know, where you don't have to put on a certain space, face or voice in order to be loved in that moment and where you don't have to wear particular clothes in order to uh, feel at home in that moment. Like right. finding a sexually liberal space uh, for people of color, I think is very important and it's just as if uh, just revolutionary to put it in action. Um, I don't think that you can do, I don't think that people should do one without the other. I think that folks shouldn't just be in the space and just, you know, just be, just do the folly without actually doing the work. Um, and I think that if people do the work, then they definitely should come and have fun. Like know what that feels like, know what that looks like um, to like be in spaces like that where you experience the sexual liberation. So yeah that'd be my advice to yeah that. <laughs> i mean that's that's great i mean those are those are just amazing ways and like i said i really wanted to get your perspective and something i think is incredibly important to say here is that sex is more than just the physical i think we've been conditioned into thinking that sex is just about you know fucking sucking mm-hmm. and coming um, right. And sex just encompasses so much more of who we are as an individual. And I think a lot of people will have sex detached from their emotions. Um, and sometimes they don't even realize what they're doing, um, you know. And, right. and, and so sex becomes a thing that they either mm-hmm. do to escape or they do to self-medicate. And that goes back to the kind of having the unhealthy sexual relationship rather than really being in it and enjoying every single moment of it before, during, and after. Um, So I think that's something that I definitely appreciate, Um, you know, just having conversations the only Go on. Yeah, the the only thing that I kind of left out (laughs) in that that answer uh, that I definitely want to put in there also is like masturbation. When I found out that so many women don't come, right? <laughs> I, I wanted to cry all over again. Yeah. I said, oh my God, so you mean to tell me that, you know, and it's some high, crazy high percentage of women who have never orgasmed. Oh yeah, I did, um, I did, you, I did sure. my whole, May was masturbation month and I did a whole podcast yes. on that. So uh. <laughs> everyone needs to masturbate. And then like, sort of like we discussed before, focus on their thoughts and feelings mm-hmm. after they come right like making sure that those feelings are good and uplifting and that you know wherever you need to take your mind um if you whatever porn you need to watch to get you off uh even if it's masturbating with a with a friend right you know what I'm like <laughs> but making sure that after you focus on those feelings and making sure that those feelings are good and affirming and positive i think is so much of the practice 
of sexual liberation as well. Oh, absolutely. Like, um, like literally, I think that it's all about demolishing the shame and the guilt that you know has been perpetrated on us from you know from childbirth mm-hmm. onto adulthood. And, st- and, um, st- and, and still yeah, continues. If you're in certain spaces, yeah. then that shame and guilt is always there. Um, and yeah. that takes me down to, you know, my final question. <laughs> um, you would think that we rehearsed this before because you literally just leave into every <laughs> no, single thing. So fun. <laughs> um, right. So, <laughs> so openness and honesty is all is usually um, the opposite of you know it's kind of opposing to shame and guilt so a lot of people will mm-hmm. avoid shame and guilt will avoid being open and honest because they don't want to feel the shame and guilt that's associated with it um mm-hmm. and i think that is an overwhelming emotion that so many of us feel particularly black men particularly men who have sex mm-hmm. with men um or women who have yes. sex with women and mm-hmm. how do we how do you begin to help the people around you, whether they're a, a patron at your event, a friend, a colleague, an associate, uh, you know, a cuddle buddy, a sex partner. How do you begin to yeah. help people to be more open and honest and not feel the shame and guilt that comes with so much of our sexual encounters? Yes, um, I think that there is this is a two-sided coin Mm -hmm. because the same way that some people learn through positive affirmation, um, others learn through uh, taking bold steps against shame and guilt. Um, And that's how we have to see it, right? The enemies to positivity, whether it be it sex positivity or body positivity. um, And in this case, we're speaking of sexual liberation, which encompasses both those Mm -hmm. things. The enemies to sexual liberation our shame and guilt. So that means that I th- I I think that the work is positively letting our friends know when they're when they're talking to us about a sexcapade they had, it's about making sure that you're not slut shaming them. You're not calling them, you know, this type of this slut and this hoe right. and, and and shaming them for not, you know, being or, in a monogamous or relationship. Or saying, "Oh, I wouldn't do that." <laughs> right. It, it's, it's it, right, and it's as simple as that because that is shame. Right. That, that, that now you're, you're polarizing yourself as a friend or a family member from somebody who is opening up to you and sharing with you. It's, it's literally the, the working act of shame and guilt. So yeah, um, I don't, and I don't think that people realize that enough. They think that it is only calling somebody a name. Right. And it's not, it's, it's literally furthering yourself from them and their experience. And I think that, you know, so in, in that, yeah, relating to people would be the work, you know, letting them know like, oh, girl, I've been there. Uh, <laughs> I felt I felt that before. Let that kitty cat purr, own your pussy. Like those positive words and positive affirmations, I think allow somebody to feel built up, allow them to feel big about themselves. Um, and even just like celebrating their bodies, like letting them know like, damn, you look good today. Right. Yo, you looking sexy as shit. Like, I, yo, I love, I love this this stomach you got on you. I love these arms. Like, damn, sis, like, them titties going off. And I'm not saying that, you know, cis head people to, you know, guys do enough of that to women. And I think that is its own version of sexual assault with those, with catcalling. Um, but I think for you to do that amongst your friends and do that amongst your, your peers uh, who trust you and trust right. your words um, is so affirming and needed in today's society um needed when you know that same individual 
has been met with so much shame and guilt their entire lives. Um, and we know all the isms and phobias that exist in this world. So like making certain that you as individuals are safe spaces yeah. for those people that you claim to love is everything. Um, so yeah, that's it. I think that, you know, doing that work of actively stomping out shame and guilt and also actively bigging up positivity uh, about people's bodies, about people's sexual lives and their sexual health. Um, it is it is that. And, it you know, all of what we're saying is communication. Yeah. All of what we're saying is, you know, actually speaking and making certain that, you know, if I'm, you know, the guy in the locker room and I'm, you know, call and, and I hear somebody calling a, a young lady or even another guy a slut or a faggot or whatever the case may be, it's about actually stepping up and saying like, hey, no, I have been granted access to this space that is cishet and masculine and I'm gonna speak up and say like, yo, not cool. Yeah. I don't I don't appreciate that shit. Keep it out of here. I, I think I <laughs> you, think it's you, so <laughs> important to do that, but also I think it's equally important to 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 help ourselves through the shame and guilt because a lot of the times when people we shame other people for doing things, that is an internalized yeah. feeling that we're expressing. We're projecting all our shame and guilt onto that that individual who is saying this is what I do. Um, you know, so I think right. the work really begins with us as individuals and then we can begin to, to help others, whether it's a friend, a loved one or or whoever it is that we're interacting with. And I think also yep. as well, just, you know, being in a space where we're open to all forms of sexual encounters, all forms of sexual liberation, um, if it's consensual, if it's among adults, if um, yep. people aren't, you know, being abused, um, then there's nothing wrong with it. That we we yeah. cannot ascribe, you know, wrongs and right to how people express themselves sexually. And I think that's something that yes. really I just work really hard every day to to take that away from sex and to allow each of us to enjoy sex the way we want to enjoy it healthily, um, in order yes. to, in and order to to, I, to be uh, to have fun. Yeah. I will say that um, I have sort of champions and you're, you're, you know, as we have this conversation, you're becoming one of them. Um, I have, I have champions in the, in the life and the mind of sexual liberation. And two of them for me have always been sort of uh, Amber Rose with the slut walking, mm -hmm. sort of just watching her life as she um, learned to do that work of reclaiming language and bigging up peers and, uh, other women who have literally been met with shame and guilt their entire lives. Um, and also Rihanna, who unintentionally living her life as a black woman who, you know, the media has tried to shame, who has been in, you know, uh, aggressive and violent relationships where she's been, you know, the victim, but then refusing, you know, refusing through all of that to be a victim. Right. And, and instead owning her sexuality, you know, owning, uh, every part of who she is and, and disowning uh, gender norms and expectations, social expectations from the media and from society and black cultures, you know, folks want to slut shame her. Those, ex watching those women and even, you know, and talk these kind of talks with you really uh, sort of, it definitely helps me in a really big way to sort of see myself and my thoughts and ideologies reflected um, in someone who is further along in the journey than me. Um, and also just sort of, you know, again, I guess it kind of reminds me that that is some of the work that has to be done 
consistently, you know, be it, you know, in our peer groups or even just in the media and all these other agents of socialization. Um, it's so important that we have these conversations. It's so important that we lead our lives, uh, not shaming and guilting people, but actually yeah. positively affirming them. So, yeah, um, and I think, I think that this work is so much even more than just um, an optional thing. I look at this work as combatant to um, sexual assault, like we discussed before, and even sexual sex trafficking. I think that as we big up autonomy and we big up consent, we, you know, automatically on the flip side of that sword is diminishing and tearing down things that uh, diminish autonomy and that diminish consent. Absolutely. Um, and those are, and that, and that's where, you know, sexual assault exists and that's where, um, you know, sex trafficking exists and people, you know, being forced into things. Yeah. I think that as we, you know, cause you know, I'm a firm believer. I know it's a, a separate but not separate issue i'm a firm believer in uh the rights for sex workers as well i think oh, as long as somebody is, yeah as long as someone is a consenting adult i think that they should be in charge of their bodies and no one else and choose and choose who and when they want to experience sex you know and how Absolutely. they want to experience it and you know i think one of the things that that adds to everything you're saying is to to, to reduce the shame and guilt and reduce, you know, sex trafficking and sexual abuse and sexual violence mm -hmm. is by us mm -hmm. taking sex out of the closet, taking sex out of yes. the, the dark rooms, taking sex out yep. of the, the, the midnight, you know, sex, sex yep. after dark and actually having conversations about sex at the same time we're having conversations about politics, the same time we're having conversations yes. about fashion, the same time we're having yep. conversations about healthy meals and meal prepping and yes. and, and all my friends know that we if we're having a conversations at six o'clock in the morning it can be just the same conversations about sexual experiences as it would <laughs> yeah. be about running or hiking yeah you know yeah. i don't think there should be a limit to how and when we have sexual conversations because that in itself is what leaves was where the shame lies it's yes. in the darkness that we have shame mm -hmm. and guilt. And I think once we, and that's one of the reasons I, I wanted this podcast and it's called specifically, let's come together because I want us to come together, not just physically, but come together on yeah. a, on, on a, a, a sexual high where we can yeah. actually experience sex, not just in the back room of a club, the sex should be oh, everywhere. Yeah. So, I um, mean, you know, and our conversation shouldn't just be limited to after dark. I love so. that. That's beautiful. <laughs> that is beautiful. Thank you for the work I, that you're doing. Thank Seriously. you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I, this is like, um, you're my first guest on my podcast, seven episodes, but you, it could, I couldn't have chosen a better person to be the first guest. Thank you so much, Micah. You have, I'm you sure are. you've inspired some people today. I'm sure you um, educated some people today. I, I'm sure you're you know, you've definitely inspired me even more than you already did. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. Bethlehem is mutual. And, um, <laughs> I'm you. happy to have you. And you've been listening to Let's Come Together with a Sex Dog. Thank you so much. Until yeah. next time. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>